what we want to see is your story. What gets you excited about real estate? Why do you want to help the segment of the population that you do? Why have you specialized in what you're doing? Hello and welcome to episode 105 of the Smart Agents Podcast. My name is Michael Walter and I'll be your host. In today's episode, we are joined by personal brand expert, Dr. Angela Moroni. After building a successful dental practice, Dr. Moroni had to pivot after an injury took away her ability to perform dental procedures. Using the knowledge she gained while building her practice, Dr. Moroni set out to help other entrepreneurs grow their own businesses through personal branding and influence. Throughout our conversation, we talk all about how real estate professionals can tap into their own personal identities to create more engaging content, as well as how to find your niche in order to scale your businesses. Now, before we get on to the day's featured interview, make sure to subscribe to the Smart Agents Podcast. You can find the show on all major podcasting platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and now Amazon Music. Also, if you or someone else on your team has an awesome story or a tip to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. All right, let's get on to the day's featured interview with Dr. Angela Moroni. You can find more of her great tips and training at unleashinginfluence.com. Really, the way I like to start everything out is if you could just introduce yourself to us a little bit, uh, who you are and a little bit of your background. Sure. So I originally was a dentist, which is kind of weird that I am a personal branding expert. So there is there is a story there. Uh, when I first came out of dental school, I worked as an associate. I was really shy. And so I really stuck with little kids. And then I reached a point where I was like, you know, I'm kind of plateaued as to what I can do with this unless I go and become a specialist or I switch to a different demographic. So um, I happen to have this practice come across my pathway and I never wanted to be an owner, but the first day I worked, I walked into this practice, all I could see was potential. And so I decided to buy it. It was in the worst part of town. It was owned by a dentist who is 50, five zero years older than me. And it was in the worst repair I had ever seen. And yet the view was amazing and the people in it were amazing. And so I bought it and started on my path of entrepreneurship, built the practice to what I wanted. So I had the perfect skill set, I had the perfect patients, I had the perfect team, and then I got injured. And so overnight, I went from being able to drill to not being able to drill. And so I had to go on the path of reinvention. And I had people around me who were advising me saying, well, you know, you've built this amazing brand. Like you've got people referring you patients because you cater to phobics. So you've built this niche in the marketplace. So just keep it going. You know, you don't have to work. You can put other people in your place. So I tried that, did it for two and a half years, ended up having to dumb down my brand because people don't like working on people who are afraid of the dentist. That's why they were sending them to me. And so trying to find dentists to fill up my skill set and also work with that population was an issue. So in 2015, when the oil crisis hit, my practice was in Calgary, which is oil-based almost completely. I decided it was time to peace out and move on, let someone else take the torch. So I went on a path of reinvention. I went back to dancing professionally full-time, built my dance company. And then a year in that, I decided, you know, there were some silver linings that happened in the dental company. So I decided to build a business coaching company for dentists called Unleashing Dentistry's Potential. And to get that notice, I took to LinkedIn, started talking about what I knew about niching, about passion, about dentistry. And in a year, I went from 200 to 12,000 industry followers. And then people outside of dentistry started to go, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> can you do that for me? And so I 
wanted to see if I had done something that was a unicorn or if it was actually replicatable. So I dabbled with a few colleagues' accounts and was actually able to duplicate my results. So I launched Unleashing Influence at the beginning of 2020, January 17th specifically. Mm -hmm. Then we know that March 17th, 2020, the world got shut down. So exactly two months, perfectly (laughs) on schedule. Um, And my team was being very realistic because they're watching all their friends get laid off and they're like, you know what, if you need to lay us off, it's okay. So I had these two and a half team members that I'd hired in January and now they're going, should we be packing our bags? I said, you know what, let's hunger down. Let's see what we can do with this. And by 10 months into the pandemic, we were at 14 full-time team members and the company had just skyrocketed because there was a need for personal branding. People couldn't go to meetings. They couldn't speak from the stage. They couldn't go and have a cup of coffee or go to a networking event. And so they needed to find a different way to get their brand out there. And so it was an interesting turn of events. I I bet on the right horse, luckily. (laughs) And everything kind of fell into place. And then I decided to move to Nicaragua um, in January of 2021, which is where I'm sitting right now. And I realized I was working 100 hours a week. I created a monster that I hated because I was pulled in so many different directions. So I started divesting everything down to exactly what I do today. So now I just have unleashing influence. I just do personal branding. Um, That is completely my market. And so I help people to go from where they're at, pivot through their personal brand to build an amazing business, the systems, the sales, um, the offering and everything so that they can go from where they were to where they want to be making as much money or usually a whole lot more doing what they actually love to do. So I feel very fortunate that I went on this kind of convoluted path, but now that's how I went from being a dentist to being a personal branding expert. (laughs) Right. No, that's awesome. And, you know, for our our audience specifically, you know, our audience is a lot of uh, real estate agents themselves and then the brokers um, and personal branding is everything in real estate. You know, it, it really is. It's not so much anymore the, uh, the brokerage logo that is bringing you, you customers. It, it's really the, the story that you're able to tell uh, and, you know, to bring in your own personal clients. So I really think, um, you know, from a personal branding conversation, this is going to be really invaluable information for our listeners. And just kind of starting off, you know, when you look at certain industries like the uh, real estate industry, what have you seen that, uh, you know, are some of the really big kind of red flags uh, that people need to work on? Most people are still not putting themselves out there. And that's honestly, regardless of what industry they're in, they think that if they post photos or they, you know, post someone else's stuff, that that's going to represent their brand well. And it can give you a little bit of a glimpse into how you think about it, depending on how you write things up. But people want to get a feel for who you are, especially if they're going to be spending a ton of cash with you in the real estate market. They need to know that you are someone they're going to kind of enjoy hanging out with, that they're going to get value from, that they're going to have an elevated consciousness because of who they're being around. And so it is important to go beyond just the photos, go beyond the resharing and recycling of sometimes clickbait that has nothing to do with your brand and actually give people a glimpse of who you are because people are very discerning now. Um, Our buying decisions have significantly changed. They were changing before the pandemic, but during the pandemic, we really, we had all these social uprisings. We had lots of values and misalignment of values, even with our friends and family that came up that were like, I don't actually like you because your value system isn't the same as mine. And so when people are looking to spend their money, especially if they feel like a recession is living, they're going to be very careful who they're putting their money with because they want to feed people who are, align with them values wise they want to feed people who you know they actually like hanging around they want to 
be people who they actually respect. And so you can't build that values base, that respect, that likability in any way easier than with video. But video tends to be <laughs> the thing that nobody wants to do. <laughs> right, right. I mean, everybody knows it's always, you know, I think a lot of people have that post-it note on their computer. I need to sh- need to shoot this video. And it's probably sat there for two years. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'll get to it. Yep. Uh, it, it's on my calendar and it just keeps getting pushed back because it, it can be scary. I understand that. You know, I, uh, I was a former news photographer, so I worked with reporters all day and we knew it was when we had a, a new, you know, somebody new coming in, it was tough. And, um, but, but it is one of those things, especially now, I think with the way technology has changed, you know, we're doing this interview over zoom and just the way social media video is, it, it doesn't need to be super polished anymore. It's just your authentic conversation. Yes, and I think that's what people are worried about is if they don't put out something perfect, then people aren't going to like them. And the truth is, people don't trust perfect anymore. We used to want to see that perfect website, that perfect copyright, that perfect hairdo, right? And now we go, yeah, we've all kind of come out a little bit more mangy after the pandemic. Let's see who you really are. Let's see the raw side of you, not that perfect facade that you're putting up. And that's what attracts people is the realism, not the perfection. Right. And I think, you know, sometimes when it comes to um, creating that personal brand, it, it really there's a big, uh, you know, you have to really kind of look inward. And I think that can be tough also is to say, OK, what, you know, when somebody asks who I am or what do I stand for? You know, you kind of need to figure that out a little bit. So what tips would you have for actually kind of having, you know, a bit of a concise answer to that? One of the tools that I recommend is actually looking into your brand archetype. Um, and if people want to pop on my website, unleashinginfluence.com, there's a quiz right on the first page. But it'll start to give you an understanding of how you see the world and how the world sees you. And what I find is even with people who have been working on their brand for a long time, the minute we do the archetyping, suddenly their world cracks open and they go, oh, okay. I am okay the way that I am. I have these good sides to me. I have these dark sides to me. You know, there's certain times where bringing out the dark is useful. (laughs) And oftentimes we want to leverage the good that we have in the light side of ourselves. And the more you really understand who you are and what you represent, you know, how do you actually interact with situations? What is your tone of voice? What is your morals based on that archetype? What I find is people really start to be able to let that facade down and be okay with who they are. And it, takes a lot of tries like if someone suddenly doesn't like what you do suddenly the facade goes up right because you're like well if they don't like my facade it's totally okay if they don't like me ugh, it feels gross right so it's uh kind of have to develop rhinoceros skin if you're going to be putting yourself out there because if you're doing it well you're doing it right and you're actually really stepping into who you are and showcasing who you are you're going to polarize your audience you're going to have people who love you you're going to have people who hate you the people in the middle probably aren't really going to buy from you the people who love you will, the people who hate you, they might troll you, they might heckle you a little bit, but that's not who you're going to put your energy on. You want to segment the population of who's interacting with you and figure out who those people are that love you, who actually want to do business with you because they like you, they are aligned with your values, they see that you stand for what they stand for in this world. Right, because I think, you know, if you're... if if you're focused on those people that, you know, are really interested in you and you're putting out that content that uh, really speaks to them, uh, it's such, it's so much more of a targeted approach than that. Hey, let me post that regurgitated blog that's on every other agent's, you know, social media site that doesn't resonate with anybody. I mean, it's just, they're taking up space on the, uh, the social media feed. Yes. And I see with realtors and with, um, 
financial people, like people who work as financial advisors at banks or through big companies, you guys both do the same thing. You're like, oh, the company put out this this article. And so I'm going to put that out, out and that's going to count as content for this week. It kind of does, but it also kind of doesn't, especially if you're not, if you're just posting it and you're not actually giving your take on it. It's okay to leverage other people's information, but at least shine a light on what you think about the article, what you think people should be thinking about based on the article. What were those key points that, you know, get you excited or get you pissed off about what was actually placed in there? Because then at least you're giving some insight into who you are and what you represent. Right. I think that, you know, that goes to what my next question was going to be is really how do you show, you know, uh, your personal side when you are posting? And because, you know, you do want to show your successes. You do want to show your listings as for an agent, uh, but you need to have that balance of, you know, showing off your, your personality within your posts. Yeah. And when you actually write your story and that's what you're about, like you're talking about LinkedIn specifically, your about section is your story. It is not your resume. It's not, I happen to be a realtor who's really good at la la la. No one cares. Every other realtor wrote that. What we want to see is your story. What gets you excited about real estate? Why do you want to help the segment of the population that you do? Why have you specialized in what you're doing? And that allows people to get that glimpse. Now, you don't want to have your feed. And we know that LinkedIn right now is getting a lot of criticism for it being starting to be Facebooky. There's clickbait. You know, people are posting about cats and like all the stuff that we used to do when Facebook first started and we didn't know what to share. Um, it's, we're starting to see it go that way. So, you want to have a little bit of personal, but not a lot. You want to have enough to like give them a glimpse of who you are, but you don't have to be showcasing you at a party on Saturday night. You can showcase, you know, this is what I was doing on Sunday and why you're showcasing it. If part of your, your values is that, you know, you take Sundays off, which probably not a good idea for a realtor. <laughs> but if, if that's what you do, then it's like, how are you showcasing your values that are still pointing to what you're trying to do in this world with your real estate work um, so that it's not out in left field? Because most of the times when people post personal stuff, it's out left field that has no context. It's just like, oh, should you have shared that? Right. And it doesn't fit with the rest of your brand. So why did you even share it? Maybe you just didn't think about it and you thought you were on Facebook or Instagram <laughs> instead of on LinkedIn, right? People start to kind of question it if it doesn't have that context. So you can make anything have context to your brand if you explain it, right? So that's why you have the ability to write the right copy with everything that you're posting to use the appropriate hashtags. So make sure if you're putting personal, and I do recommend some personal, loop it in so that it is anchored by your brand. Right. Yeah. And, and talking, you know, LinkedIn specifically, um, I think a lot of, you know, it's, it's a platform that maybe uh, agents, especially in the real estate space, they just don't use as much because they don't, I guess, maybe don't, um, you know, see necessarily the value in it that they would in the Instagram and the Facebook. But what are some of those things? Because I have talked to other agents that are having great success with LinkedIn. What are some of those things, uh, LinkedIn specific that you think agents really are missing? Well, I still think a lot of them think it is a job search platform. And it used to be. It totally did. It used to be a resume holder so that you could get it found. So if you're a realtor and you're not looking for a job, I that mindset still exists. But really, LinkedIn is one of the best ways to build your personal brand as a professional, especially if you're going after clients who are professionals. If you're going after people who are buying a home, they're probably a professional. So they probably install LinkedIn. So you can probably start profiling the avatar of who your exact ideal client is, you know, what kind of jobs they have, what kind of education, what, how old are they, um, you know, 
there's so many different things we can be profiling through LinkedIn to find those right people and start those conversations. But I find what happens often is if someone does start those conversations, they're like, I'm a realtor, buy from me. And they hit them over the head with a pitch. And it is so off-putting. That's how you get people to go delete or disconnect, which is not what we want, right? So you want to start a human conversation. You know, you're looking to, you are looking to connect and build connections on LinkedIn. That's how you build a personal brand. It's not just by posting content. It's about actually building connections, building that audience, stacking the deck of your audience with those right people. And if you've been in the business for a while, you know who your right people are. Right. So you need to dig a little bit more into who they are, where they're working, all that kind of stuff of who your top 20% are, and then go and find those same people on LinkedIn and start conversations with them. And yeah. don't start with a pitch, start with like, Hey, how's everything going? Right. <laughs> it's much, right. it's much more uh, <laughs> warm and friendly than hitting them over the head with what you do and how you want, how you can help them, even though you know nothing about them. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's just one, uh, one specific story I have with uh, you know a woman that has found a ton of great success on LinkedIn is, you know she's really started to strike up conversations with, uh, you know the HR directors in, you know the various companies in her area and really kind of become that resource for people mm -hmm. moving into the area for their company. So you know it's really become almost that relocation expert and it was really you know projecting that, um, you know that that brand I guess you know on her LinkedIn page. Yes. And so that's going beyond just like hunting the individual clients. That's hunting the people who are synergistic partners for you. And you always want to be building those two things. Yes, the people who are directly going to buy from you, that's great. But you also want to find the people who already know the people who are going to buy from you, who influence them. So, you know, maybe it is the banks, maybe it is the lawyers, maybe, you know, there's a whole bunch of other people who are going after, maybe it's the interior decorators who someone is engaging with because they know they want to decorate their house certainly but they haven't found the house so you go and you find those people who are aligned with you who aren't in competition with you but who are going after that same audience and you want to go after both those sides so that you are stacking the deck in your favor for people that hunt for you as well as you doing some of your direct hunting by yourself right yeah i definitely think you know creating those referral partnerships is a uh, fantastic way to scale up your business mm -hmm. What, uh, you know, so you were talking about earlier with uh, the, you know, in the dental industry and having those uh, different niches that you were, you know, really trying to hone in on in real estate. That's something that's very big as well, because you can, you know, you can be the general agent, but to really, you know, build up a following within a certain segment of the community or a, uh, you know, a certain listing type. You know, for instance, maybe you want to become that, um, you know, you're the, we always uh, have an example of, you know, the the condo queen, the woman that, you know, will get your condo sold. And she knows every, every condo in Miami, you know, all the, you know, ins and outs of the entire market. How can, you know, becoming and using those different uh, niching techniques really help out agents? People aren't necessarily looking for a generalist anymore. They want someone who is a specialist in what they're going after. In again, in any industry, this is not just specific to your marketplace. And it is really scary for people to decide what their niche is because you can see, well, there's an opportunity over here and there's an opportunity over there, but I have dedicated myself to this niche. And if you're like letting yourself go with it, it's pretty scary to let those other things go because you can see that you're potentially leaving money on the table. And it takes time. It does take time to build niche. 
But as you're building it and you're saying no to those opportunities that are distracting from your specialization, what you're doing is you're building more mastery. You're getting more depth in your understanding of your market that you're going after that you know you can help with. Um, one of the most successful realtors in the city that I came from, which is Calgary, she specialized in lofts in Calgary. There actually aren't that many lofts, but when you look up lofts in Calgary, she has all them listed, right? So that ability to niche into that, and she wasn't charging any more than any other realtor, but she had that knowledge. If you were looking for that specific kind of product, she could help you up with the right people. Um, so it really does help to have that specialization because people want to be taken care of it by someone who really knows their stuff, not someone who knows a little bit about everything, especially if they've been in the market and they're looking for their next home and they're very specific on what they're actually searching for. Right. And I think, you know, you're talking about having those distractions from the other, you know, with all the other things out there and it, it can just, you know, when you are, you know, the generalist having all those different balls up in the air and all those different, you know, uh, you know, almost different kind of conversations that you need to be able to keep track of. It can not only just be overwhelming on the amount of work that you're doing, but it just really, it can beat you down and not, you know, having that fulfillment of what you're doing uh, can kind of be, be drained out. Yeah. And I find when people actually give themselves permission. I always, people call me the arsonist. I'm like, here's that. <laughs> Let's start burning down the things that aren't working or the things that are distracting you. And so as they burn away these things and they, they do get more into their niche, they're not bored. That's kind of what they think is going to happen is if I'm this narrow, I'm going to get bored because I'm going to know everything about it. You're never going to know everything about anything, especially one thing specifically. Like you are going to have those those depths of, you're going to have more depth of knowledge in that niche than you even realized was available. And then that makes you so much better of a resource to your clients as well. Because, you know, again, as you said, if you're trying to know everything about all these different possibilities, you can't. Right. But if you specialize in that one thing, you know what to look for. You know how to talk to your clients about that specific product that's on the market. And it allows you to be really that go to person where they can't ask you a question that you don't have an answer to mm -hmm. once you've been in your niche for a while. Right. And I think that also kind of taking it back into the, you know, how do you project uh, that personal brand to be in that, that expert? When you do have that depth of knowledge, that, that really helps out with that content creation and being able to, you know, create those videos that are actually useful, you know, rather than just, mm -hmm. you know, the little headline there. And when you watch it, you're like, oh, what did I really learn from that? Yeah, exactly. And when you have those niche clients too, you're listening to what they're asking you. And that gives you information to build your content based on. Right. Because it's so much easier than be like, oh, what would they potentially ask me? <laughs> they're asking you those questions take those questions and cheat and create content right around exactly what you encountered that week. Right. You know, and so kind of going back to the, uh, you know, that content creation and it being, you know, a very difficult thing for people to sometimes get over and, and actually really start doing, um, you know, besides just making those videos that are answering those questions. Cause I think that's a great way to do it. Just have that list of questions. What are my most frequently asked questions when I'm on a listing or I'm showing a house and those, that's a whole list of content that you can create. Uh, but, you know, kind of some of those tips for uh, maybe coming up with the ideas. Cause I think that can really be somewhat of a deterrent for people to, uh, you know, to go out there and start creating the videos, but also just maybe getting more comfortable with doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, coming up with the ideas, what I suggest is you have your niche and then what are three step topics to your niche? 
And then what are three subtopics? subtopics to each of those subtopics right mm -hmm. and so you're going to suddenly have a breadth of knowledge that you can be sharing based every point into that niche that you're in but it talks about those little areas that you know something about and lay it out give yourself if you are someone who wants to plan ahead give yourself a six month or a 12 month plan of what your content is going to be because then you know when it's recording day and I recommend doing it once a month if you can. Batch it all into one session so that you are on, you bang through it, and then huh, you don't have to do it for another month. But what it allows you to do is have those those topics to also be aware of. You know, what are the questions that I'm hearing while I'm out and about this whole month that I can be answering based on those topics? And you are going to have topics that are completely evergreen. You're going to have topics that are going to be very acute in the moment, like, the pandemic shut us down. We can't go and show houses, right? Totally different scenario than, you know, your day-to-day -day stuff that you'd be talking about. But you have the ability to be bobbing and weaving between stuff that needs to be more acute in the moment versus the evergreen. Um, but it at least gives you that framework to think about. It helps you to organize things and see what are the interconnections between those pieces of content. Because what I find most people do is they get an idea and they throw it out there and it's like, okay, that spaghetti went against the wall. Oh, another one over here. And so all this content starts to be quite disconnected and it doesn't make sense as to how it represents your brand and how it's going to help people. They can't see how point A connects to point Z because they really aren't connected. And so when you actually have it laid out and you think it through and you're intentional with it, then it makes your content have more of that through line, uh, which again, Start with that niche that you're in and then make sure everything underneath it is actually still pointing to that. Even if you're in layer 100, you still need to find that through line so that everything is connected and you have that um, congruency between everything that you're doing so that people get what you're doing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, you know, kind of before we wrap up, I definitely want to ask you about, you know, your website and, uh, you know, how people can get more information from you. But uh, what do you see, you know? Obviously, we've been through this, you know, this whole pandemic thing. It's been what, two and a half years now. And really, the world has completely changed. And the way people are doing business has, you know, completely changed. Um, how do you see that going forward? You know, and some of the things that, you know, by having you create these personal brands for yourself to, you know, succeed in business. Do you see it as something that is going to be completely evolving, but staying on this, you know, really, you have to... Um, you have to think about the the name on the back of the jersey in front instead of the one on the front a little bit more? Uh, well, I think the personal branding, I think it's going to keep evolving because it's here, it's now, the way people buy and the way they think about who they're going to buy from has changed. And I don't think it's going to go back to looking for perfection anymore. It's going to be looking for who is that good human. And I think it's going to get deeper and deeper. So I think the more intentional we are with what we're doing, the better we're going to be. I, there is that trend right now of clickbait putting up stuff that you know you've recycled from someone else's post. I think that's going to fall by the wayside. Right now, it's a quick way to get likes. But I think if you're trying to build that intentional brand that shows that you're a thought leader, that shows your breadth of your expertise, you are going to want to stay on the track of actually putting out original content that allows people to get to know you. And I'll be honest, the SEO on the the um, social media platforms is going to kick the butt of the SEO of your website, right? If you type, if you've done a good job with your LinkedIn profile and you type in your name and you search, your LinkedIn profile is going to come up first before anything else. They've spent a ton of money on trying to beat the system of Google to get moved up in rankings. So it, 
I don't think that's going to change. Like they are massive powerhouses, these social media platforms, whichever one you're using. And so you want to be playing into that because they're going to pull your brand forward so much faster than you can just trying to do your own website. So it is smart to actually keep investing in this and put in the time, put put out one video a week. It's not that big of a deal. You can do that probably in an hour a month, creating that content, but invest in actually showcasing who you are because people are going to dig more and more We've exposed ourselves on the internet with who we are and what we're doing. And so people expect to be able to go in and dig and find some information on you. So it needs to be there when they actually go to dig. Awesome. Well, yeah, like I said, before we wrap up, uh, just tell us a little bit about more, you know, how we can find out more information about, about what you're doing and these tips that you're, that you're sharing. Sure. So I actually have a group on LinkedIn called the Unleashing Influence Community, which is a great place to go because there's other people who are trying to work on their personal brands, who are trying to become thought leaders who are in that group. You get my content at a faster pace. So you're getting a lot of information um, that you can be using for yourself. Um, If you want to check out my website, it talks about I have some online programs. I have a mastermind where I take people through a 90 day really pivot to using their personal brand, building their systems, building their sales, building their offer. Uh, those are all listed on the website, which is unleashinginfluence.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Dr. Moroni for taking the time to speak with us today. And remember, if you would like to find more of her tips and training, go to unleashinginfluence.com. So once again, if you think you or someone else on your team has an awesome story or a tip to share with our community, send us a message at feedback at smartagents.com. We're always on the lookout for new stories to share. Well, that wraps things up for this episode. But remember, follow the show wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure to subscribe to the Smart Agents YouTube channel. Again, I'm Michael Walter, and we'll see you on the next episode.